1: Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Glad to be back here on the show filling in for Sean Carey, who is on assignment today. Sean will be back in the saddle tomorrow with Steve. Steve Jones stepping up to the Sunbury Motors studio in just a couple minutes. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummelsworth. We're talking a lot more Penn State action here today. Super Bowl as well. If we get ready for that between the Eagles and the Patriots, which of course will be right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, your home for Super Bowl 52. We got coverage starting at 6 o'clock. or 2 o'clock rather. The kickoff is at 630. We also got coverage over on our Eagles station, Eagle 107, our sister station. Again, kickoff at 630 for Super Bowl 52 between the Eagles and the Patriots. And coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to have plenty of coverage for that. We just got a new booking, Greg Bishop from Sports Illustrated, the MMQB.com. On the Patriots side of things, that's at 3.35 tomorrow. For tomorrow as well, at 4.06, we'll have Ed Kratz, Eagles writer for USA Today. Always a good listen to that one, so he'll be up at 4.06. And then we're back talking some Bucknell men's basketball with head coach Nathan Davis. Tomorrow at 4.35, Bucknell playing some much better basketball. And obviously they're in the heights of their Patriot League play back in first place where they were projected to be at the beginning of the season. So we'll get some perspective on the Bucknell Bison men's basketball team tomorrow at 435 when head coach Nate Davis gets ahead and calls the show. We're also going to talk some Steelers as well here today in the show. And speaking of that with the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell at the Pro Bowl today was talking about his contract situation with the Steelers. Of course, the Steelers are trying to give him a long-term deal. He is a free agent at this point of the season, and he said, quote, this is per Ian Rappaport, who's down in the Senior Bowl at Mobile, Alabama. I don't think it will drag on. I think we'll get something done, and it it will be exciting for both sides, for fans, and for everybody. So, looks like there possibly could be some progress, although it was pretty much said by Bell this time last year that Things were looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, we obviously know what happened from there. He missed basically all of training camp. The Steelers finally tagged him. And here we are at this point, at this point of the offseason again. And we'll see if Bell is able to rejoin the Steelers this time on uh, a lo- long term deal. And it just seems that every time when you have those those types of these types of situations with contracts come out, just a- anytime it does happen, you'll say this progress. And then it's really just those deadlines, Steve, that seem to really Actually, ramp some of the things, some of those things up. So again, the Bell saga for the contract situation continues, and obviously the Steelers are, are at home right now, going to be watching Super Bowl Fifty Two, <sighs> watching the other Pennsylvania football team.
0: Well, it's uh, the big story of the day, of course, is Larry Nassar's sentencing, where he gets forty to one hundred and seventy-five years. The uh, Michigan State and USA Gymnastics team doctor, although I think using the word doctor is not really I don't think it's that's not medicine and uh, I guess he gets is eligible for parole in 2117 99 years from now so that was the big one today and the judge let him have it, the letter she read from him to the courtroom was not apologetic uh, was really and, and the judge the judge just read it and then took the letter and tossed it aside like it was garbage. And then in her statement before sentencing she went after him. Now the bottom line is that the victim statements said everything and went after him. Now the next level that you have to look at, if you are internally at Ohio at uh, Michigan State, I apologize for saying Ohio State because that's obviously where I'm going tonight. Uh, the next element that any organization or company needs to look at when they get here to this point is that were there other people that knew about this, and if so, why did it continue? And that's something that the Attorney General's office in the state of Michigan needs to look into as to who knew or had knowledge of, and were there any steps to attempt to stop it.
1: There's so many more layers to unfold from this, Steve, coming up based on all those types of things, because if you do find people that didn't know what was going on, then just a whole other can of worms is going to open up now.
0: Or was it reported to you, and did you blow it off? So, was the head of athletic medicine? What was the, you know, who was his supervisor? Did the athletic director have any knowledge of this at all? What about the university president, which evidently she might have based on certain statements? The, um, so that's what you're going to look at next when it comes to him, because it just is not simply for him doing this. I mean, this existed for 20 years. Now, some of it on campus, some of it not on campus. I mean, USA Gymnastics is going to have to do the same thing. Who knew about this thing? You know, who, who was given, who was told straight out about this? And did you confront NASA about it? And what was it about that? Now, say, for example, you knew about it and you confronted him. Well, what the heck did he tell you to convince you otherwise that you believed him and not her? These are all questions that still need to come up. Now, that's the biggest story of the day. The other story of the day, and this goes back to an op-ed in the New York Times in November 2015. NBA Commissioner... Adam Silver said, "Look, the NBA would be open to legalize gambling on their sport." Now they were the first ones to say that. The first ones, the first league. Because anytime there's been anything that has come up when it comes to gambling on sports, the, NF, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, and the NCAA have all banded together in court to stop this. Now, there are four states that, allow, that actually have the ability to have legalized sports betting. People don't realize that because you just see it in Nevada. But Montana, Oregon, Delaware, and Nevada all are allowed to have it. Delaware tried to move forward with a sports book on football in the NFL a few years ago, and it got stalled in court. New Jersey... Originally, when it came out as to who wants to be involved, it was like, "Nah, we don't want to do that. But now, led by former Governor Chris Christie, New Jersey has now brought it to the U.S. Supreme Court to take a look at whether or not they can have sportsbook in the state. Now, why does the state want sportsbook? Let's say I want Sportsbook for the exact same reason that, let's see, California is changing its marijuana laws. Washington and Colorado did it first. Vermont has now done it. Now, why are they doing it? Because they're such progressive and open states? I mean, really, sorry for the cynical viewpoint here. They want the money. (laughs) They want the tax money. These states are all suffering financially. They want the tax money. I mean, if that sounds cynical to you, too bad. (laughs) Use your common sense. That's the only reason they're doing it. I mean, if you really think there's some real royal and regal, uh, like, wow, they're really just thinking of us. (laughs) They're just thinking of themselves. All right? They want the money. That's the tax money. That's why they're doing it. Why would they do sportsbook? Because the states want the money. That would be the reason why they want to go this way. A lot of these states, let's take Illinois and California as two examples. Illinois and California as two examples are two states that are in deep financial trouble. I mean, deep financial trouble. I and mean, California is a mess. Illinois is a mess. Now let's get to Sportsbook. Dan Spillane, attorney for the NBA, testified in front of a New York State Senate committee and made it clear what the league's price would be to become a partner in legalizing the multi-billion dollar industry. The NBA wants 1% of every bet made on its games in addition to other regulations. This, by the way, would create massive revenue for the NBA. Back in November 2015, on this show, we probably don't have the tape of it, But in 2015 on the show in November, when I talked about the op-ed piece Adam Silver wrote in the New York Times, I said, look for this to then be a fast track on gambling on Sportsbook in the U.S. the second the leagues figure out how to make money from it. I said that you don't have legalized. This is two years ago. I was very direct. and I talked about it on a few different shows that year because it was the topic du jour at the time. And because it was the topic du jour, I talked extensively about what it would take to get legalized sports book in the country and connected it to New Jersey. And every time I've talked about the New Jersey case, I've said the same thing. As soon as the leagues figure out how they're going to financially benefit from it, that will be the second you see them say, now we're for legalized gambling in states in the country. Today shows... That theory was correct. The NBA would want 1% of every bet made on its games in addition to other regulations. Spolaine says they've studied the issues at length. Our conclusion is that it is time for a different approach that gives sports fans a safe and legal way to wager on sporting events while protecting the integrity and underlying competitions. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court has already heard arguments on the New Jersey-based case. And if it were to go through, it would then open the door for other states to legalize sports betting at casinos and racetracks. Now, the oral arguments took place a month ago. They think that there could be a decision on this as early as this spring. There are a number of states that are preparing for this. Now, Pennsylvania, I don't know. But there are a number of states across the country that have already put in place legislation that will kick into gear if the Supreme Court overturns the federal ban on widespread sports betting outside of Nevada. Nevada, in 2016, had $4.5 billion in sports wagers. They think that in 2017, when those numbers finally come out for the first time, it's going to be in the neighborhood of $5 billion. Now, a lot of the betting on horse racing and boxing, okay. But 1% of all bets would be a highly lucrative deal for sports leagues in states like New York. And it could increase... Exponentially betting across the country if it's legal in states. Now remember the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, the NCAA. Look, they've all spent millions in legal fees over the years fighting all this. Well, now instead of spending it, they want to take it. And I go back to what I said a little bit more. Let's let's say I said it what twenty six months ago. The second the leagues can figure out a way to get their cut and make it financially lucrative for them, you will see them back off their opposition to it. The NBA showed today that they're willing to do it. Now, Last week, ESPN reported that the NBA Major League Baseball consulted with Indiana lawmakers to insert a 1% integrity fee into a sports gambling bill introduced in the state. Interesting how that lines up with the NBA's 1%. We will come back, talk more about that in a moment. Andrew Callahan, today, 24 7 Sports, as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Greg Bishop from MMQB, uh, from Sports Illustrated on the New England Patriots. Ed Kratz, the Eagles uh, writer for USA Today. Tomorrow, Nathan Davis on the show. Don't forget, tomorrow's show, by the way, will be from Columbus uh, as Penn State gets ready to take on Ohio State in basketball. First chance to see Ohio State in person this year. Penn State does have a home and away with them. And they are off to a great start. They're 9-0. They're about to start their second half. And Penn State's about to finish its first half. So, Andrew Callahan, next half hour on that. We'll talk with him about Penn State basketball. But um, we've got to continue more on the gambling part because that's a way that they want to get revenue. As I've said the entire time, that you will see leagues get involved in legalized gambling the second they figure out a way to make money from it themselves. And the NBA appears to be way ahead of everybody else. It sounds like they've figured out a way they're going to get money. And not only that, they're going to get a ton of money from it. The NFL would also reap a ton of money if they went that way. Major League Baseball would be fine. The the NHL would get some. What does the NCAA do? (laughs) That's a completely different topic, and I don't know how to answer that one.
1: The NFL, Steve, can never get away from that just because of the fantasy football element and how popular that is, and basically almost the main reason why most casual football fans watch it nowadays.
0: Well, it's interesting. Somebody asked me today about whether I consider fantasy football gambling. And I said, look, the little mom-and-pop things where you guys as a group get together, that's, look, that's to me the equivalent of filling out the office bracket for the NCAA tournament pool.
1: A lot of but, serious fantasy leagues, though.
0: But do I think FanDuel and DraftKings are gambling? Now, it's only my opinion, but my opinion is yes, they are. I agree. Right. And that's not putting down DraftKings or FanDuel. That's just my opinion that it's gambling. Well, I'm not speaking from the pulpit. I'm talking on a radio sports talk show, <laughs> okay? Uh, now, what would it do for DraftKings and FanDuel having legalized sportsbook on games? Would it take away from them or not? It's an interesting question taking your calls at 800-795-9565 this is the steve jones show on news radio 1070 wkok now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones all right sunbury motors fourth street in sunbury sunbury motors kia routes 11 and 15 in hummels wharf Time now for this day in sports history. And then Andrew Callahan of 24-7 Sports will join us on the show. All right, on this date, 1930, Primo Canera made his American boxing debut, knocking out Big Boy Patterson in one minute, ten seconds of the opening round. 1947, NFL owners voted to allow sudden-death overtime in playoff games. The rule was not used until 1958 when the Colts beat the Giants 23-17. 1955, the Rules Committee of Major League Baseball announced a plan to strictly enforce a rule that required a pitcher to release the ball within 20 seconds after taking his position on the mound. Excuse me. Okay, 1955, (laughs) right? I've only seen it enforced one time ever. And I want to say it was like 1973 or something. They won Marichal when he was with the Red Sox. It was like, they did what? It was called a bowl. CBS acquired the rights to televise the NFL for the 64-65 seasons. Cost $14.1 million a year. The NFL stayed on CBS for 30 years. Lost it, now it's back. Uh, let's see. Mike Bossy the Islanders tied Rocket Richard's record of 50 goals in 50 games in 1981. Uh, let's see. Clarence Bighouse gains 800th career win. Winston-Salem State beat uh, Livingston 79-70. And Mario Lemieux in 2006 retired from playing in the NHL for the final time. He had previously retired and come back from cancer, a heart problem, agonizing back pain, a rare bone infection, self-imposed one-season layoff, and five years earlier from the boredom of retirement. (laughs) Awesome, awesome player. Mario Lemieux, awesome player. All right, we're going to talk more about the gambling... uh, I mean, that's a huge, huge story That the NBA would like to see 1% go in their direction That's a huge Story, and the future of Sports in this country That uh, could have a wide-ranging effect We're going to talk more about that, but first Let's bring in Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports, Andrew, welcome It's great to have you back
2: Hey, thank you, apologize for the delay
0: uh, Alright, so <laughs> Uh, for you Uh Penn State's coming off. I, I think they've only played the one time since uh, that was the Northwestern game. Mm-hmm. All right, so when you broke that one down, what was the difference that you saw in the first 30 minutes of 59 points, which is essentially an 80-point pace at that stage, versus what happened where they couldn't find a basket?
2: Well, you know, it's always going to be a combination of things that come into play for such a stretch like that. It's obviously unprecedented for the last few years, and really it's uncommon to see across college basketball. Um, But really, I think it was just their problems compounded. I mean, a couple possessions, you saw some more quick shots, possessions that were ruined just by, you know, uh, hasty shot attempts. And then you'd have some heads that were put down to the point where Northwestern might only have been up by four, say, in the last couple of minutes. But it felt like eight. And it felt like eight because of their run and because of how Penn State was responding. So I think that kind of, you know, lack of toughness we hear about from Pat Chambers every once in a while and is really apparent to anyone who's seen this team sometimes in late stretches hurt themselves, and and you saw it again against Northwestern.
0: Now, the first 30 minutes where they put 59 on the board, what did you see there that needs to be bottled moving forward?
2: Well, you know, honestly, Steve, I'm not sure it's something that you can bottle because uh, Jeff Garner was just unconscious from distance. I mean, he hit six of his first seven shots in that first half, five of which were threes. You know this is a game that was long coming for Shep, but of course it's a pace that no one across the country or under your level of basketball is going to be able to sustain against any sort of competition. The other issue was Mike right Watkins only had two-shot attempts, so they were able to get by without feeding Watkins against that zone, something you're going to need to do because Shep Garner was doing so well from three. Once that dried up, though, and they couldn't find Watkins inside, they were cooked.
0: Well, it goes a little, uh, actually, it'll go a little, the ball movement opened up Shep Garner. And that—that's—I mean, you know—that when you get a zone moving side to side, you do get open shots. I felt with Jamari Wheeler out there, the ball did not stick. It moved to beat zones and to get open threes, you have to have ball movement. I thought they had ball movement.
2: They had ball movement, but also Shep was taking—you know—he had a heat check. I think in the first five six minutes, where this was beyond NBA range, and you're going okay. Like the only reason you take that is if you hit your first couple, and then that goes in, and he had a couple more. NBA distance. You know, Jamari did, you know, help the ball move around. I think he's got that energy that really no one else is bringing to the team right now. That's just, you know, a function of his personality in the game. The other issue, though, is when he's got the ball anywhere beyond the paint, if right. you're an opponent, you just say, let him shoot it. So that right. then shrinks the floor for everybody else. And
0: doubles Mike. That's what it does. They're taking his guy, Mike with his guy, even in his the own. They're doing that. Uh, Mike, though, had, what, two shots? Uh, he actually had a couple of assists, so those are post touches. Then he had what three, four turnovers in the game. So he yep. actually had more post. He actually had more post touches than people realize. Two shots comes out as a small number. Uh, he still needs obviously probably a dozen of those during the course of a game. Uh, when you look at him, is he becoming uh, more aware of his surroundings, uh, where he's passing the ball out of the post and finding somebody else?
2: You know, I think so. You know, we talked, uh, I think, last week or a couple of weeks ago that his footwork is markedly improved, and in my mind, you know, the best part of his game this year as opposed to last year. Uh, but, you know, those different looks the Northwestern, threw with them, you know, they had seen a 1-3-1, Nebraska did a little bit of that, Iowa, of course, too, but the 2-3 was new. So I think there was an adjustment there for him. The part about Mike, though, and this is going to inhibit any player, has been, is he's got that bad knee that he banged against Minnesota, yeah. did not practice on Friday, which is usually a, a lighter session. But, again, when you're going 5-on-5, five five, when you're going against those looks, that's really time that you need even if it's not so physically straining it's more that mental part so i think he's getting better yes but it was just poor timing with the bad knee kept him out of practice friday your last look at those defenses and then you're going against them on game day at the highest level you've seen it's just too much of an adjustment i think in that that manifested and showed itself in the box score.
0: So now they've got Ohio State coming up. Ohio State is a team, while not having a natural point guard, Andrew, I think they've done a good job of There'll be a point they won't be able to overcome it, and that point is obviously going to be some point in March where they're going to get in one game and not having a natural point guard will probably be what allows them to exit. Uh, But when you look at them, what kind of job have they done overcoming that and making them into a really well-rounded team?
2: Well, I think they're supremely tough. I mean, you mentioned no lack of a true point guard, but again, with the point guard's primary job, ball movement, facilitating the offense, and you see a lot of that with all of Ohio State's players whenever they're on the floor. So, again, it's a little bit more of a veteran group when you compare them to Penn State. Um, but Chris Holtman, in his first year as a coach, I mean, he had a late start there in the summer when he took over Sad yes. Moda, who retired. You know, he's an excellent coach, but he's put in a tough spot, and for them to shoot up the rankings as they have and go undefeated at the Big Ten, you know, has been really, really impressive, and that's, you know, regardless of conference, but particularly with the new coach and all the settings that they have i think it stems from that ball movement their toughness and, and again they don't give up on defense they're, they're always going to compete
0: and then there's the other part it's the guy he got back that they didn't have last year it's Cade Bates Diop. uh yeah. <laughs> not having him last year certainly hurt what they were doing uh mm-hmm. he's a guy now that has all the earmarks of being strongly considered as being a candidate for player in the year in the conference when you watch him what kind of difference does he make on the floor for them
2: Well, you know, again, we just talked about the space that opens for different players, you know, and might even shrink in the case of a Jamar Wheeler. For him, I think it just makes everybody's job, everybody else's job easier, right? I mean, when he's on the floor, there's confidence because not only do his teammates have extra space, but there's just a realization that if it comes down to the last couple of seconds and we need a bucket, he can go out there and get it. And there's no tremendous drop off on the defensive side. So for him, you know, Jordan Murphy's also in that discussion. I think you saw that when Minnesota was here uh, Mm -hmm. the other Monday, right? Is you know, last couple of seconds he's in against the block. Even against the Mike Watkins, they felt they could trust Jordan Murphy. I think that's what Ohio State feels it has in him. You know, regardless of the situation, there's a confidence that there that they can get the job done, especially when he's on the
0: floor. Yeah, and Murphy's a double double machine. I mean, you can almost pencil yeah. in he's going to have a double figures and points and rebounds every game. I mean, he works. I mean, he works hard. I mean, Jordan Murphy works hard. He does not slack during a game, and that's one of the areas, something I really like about him. Have you had a chance to watch Purdue yet?
2: Uh, just bits and pieces. I mean, every time I see them, they're, they're uh, very impressive. I watched them, you know, early in the season against Marquette. know, obviously the way they handled uh, Iowa, I believe it was, was just unbelievable. And it's just a team that up and down. I think, you know, I, I don't feel as bad not being able to watch them yet because I feel like I'm going to feed them deep into the Big Ten and NCAA tournament. Um, but they bring back a lot from last year. And I really like that team, even with Swanigan leaving. I mean, I think they were my favorite team to watch in the Big Ten, even if they didn't, you know, went out and, and, and do the things that maybe they could have done.
0: Look, I, I I always have felt Vince Edwards was a really, really good player. Mm-hmm. guy to watch on that team now is Carson Edwards. Carson Edwards has kind of changed because he's, he's grown up a little bit. And, you know, Vince Edwards is always really good. Haas is the... Biggest thing I've seen on two legs. I mean,
2: it's <laughs> the headliner.
0: I mean, it's un- unbelievable! I'm like that's a big man, especially when you're courtside of Purdue. It's a big man. Yep. <laughs> like, like here, okay, here he comes, uh, Dick. Where's <laughs> you can the? Hear him s- first, Dick. Where's the sun? <laughs> I can't see the sun, Dick. Uh, and then, uh, then Car. But then Carson Edwards. I think he's got the guy that's made a big difference for them. Interesting team. Have you watched Michigan State much?
2: Yeah, I have. I, I like watching that team, too. Again, a lot of people come back for them. And again, it speaks to the importance of veterans, but also talented veterans, right? I mean, you know, Nick Ward's back in there for them. Miles Bridges is just a sophomore, but doing big things and could have gone to the top 20 last year. You know, mm-hmm. I think their losses have been a bit more surprising. But, you know, if you're a team that, again, is so talented but young, those can ultimately benefit you down the road. And, and I think they're going to be just fine as we expected yeah. at the beginning of the season.
0: Bridges is the key because he's the one that makes everybody around them better. I mean, that's one thing about Bridges. He's actually a very unselfish. Uh, guy that passes the ball exponentially more than I think that anybody on the outside looking in would realize.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I remember watching him really for the first time in person in Philadelphia last year down the last year and thinking that, too, here's a kid who can go get his buckets anytime. Ian Lamar Stevens shared some playing experience previously, AAU circuit and, and other places, and you could see that experience, I think, helped Stevens a little bit against them, obviously not in the Big Ten tournament, but you know, that Tom Izzo spoke afterward, we want him to be a little bit more selfish because, again, when we're down and need some buckets, he's our best guy to go get one.
0: <laughs> That's a really tough spot to be in. Look, we need to have this great player be more selfish.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: I, I would love to have that conversation. Look, honestly, mm-hmm. hey, help me help me, help you shoot more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
2: Right.
0: Andrew, appreciate it. Uh as always.
2: Yeah, it's a pleasure. We'll see you next week, Steve.
0: Andrew Callahan, twenty four seven sports. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Great to have you with us on the show today. Penn State tomorrow night, Ohio State, 8 o'clock, 7.30 the airtime. First chance to see the Buckeyes this year, who are 9-0 and in conference play. Now, how they have one more game is... Well, I guess it's because of last week, because they played three times last week, I guess. Because they, they were the ones involved in that Madison Square Garden deal with... Minnesota, but that was actually Minnesota's home game. Ohio State is starting tomorrow, actually on Monday night, started a four-game homestand. Now, of my 36 seasons of doing Penn State basketball, the last 26 have been in the Big Ten. I've never heard of any team in the Big Ten ever having a four-game homestand. I never have. I mean, they're really trying to keep it so you have two. They have four. Now, they also have an unbalanced schedule because they have nine home games and Eight away games and one neutral game. That was Minnesota's home game Saturday at the Garden. Now I know you're sitting there and saying, probably cynically, that I mean, Ohio is closer than Minnesota, and you are correct. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, certain I mean they'd say at the end it all balances out I'm waiting <laughs> I'm waiting for it to balance out yeah really, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness oh no it'll all balance out take for example the unbalanced schedules that they have they'll put together a schedule for football and they'll tell you it's all it's all expected to balance out okay and then they add Nebraska now we have to change the schedule okay but don't worry, in the end it'll all balance out. Okay, well, you go along for a little bit, and then they add Rutgers and they add Maryland. Well, it'll all balance out. Well, it didn't. The other one didn't balance out. You never gave it a chance to. <laughs> Same thing in basketball. No, it'll balance out. Nope, it's not going to balance out. You added Nebraska, you got to change. You added Maryland and Rutgers, you got to change. Now next year they go to twenty games. It's okay. Whatever, you just roll with whomever's in front of you. But I am not going to forget that when Penn State played Michigan in Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago, Penn State gave up the home game. The next time, it better be the other team giving up the home game. All right. The gambling part of it is a big, big part of this. And the NBA wants, they were telling it in New York in talking about this, That they want 1%. Again, the second the leagues figure out how they are going to get a cut is the second that they all say, you know what, this isn't so bad. And you take 1%, uh, again, $5 billion was gambled in Nevada alone last year. Now, some of that's horse racing. Some of that is boxing. All right, so let's understand that. How much of that is the NFL and how much is the NBA and how much of it's college football?
1: I'll give you one Gee, answer, to that, answer one. to that one. NFL. NFL.
0: Oh, yeah, that's more than anybody else. But say, for example, let's be generous about this. Let's say a billion of it was wagered um, on the NBA. Just in Nevada, billion. So what would that end up being? What's one percent of a, a billion? I guess what's what a what, hundred million is ten percent, right?
1: I think. I
0: think. Yeah. So that's, it'd be, not it'd be 10, that's not my strong suit. It, so so it'd be ten so it'd be ten million would be one percent. That's you know, sounds they've right. Got, they, sounds right. They've got to figure yeah, but they've got to figure that's gotta be more money than that. They've gotta figure there's more money than that with a one percent. It's gotta be. Because they, they're gonna be looking to give each franchise an additional Let's be conservative here. I think they'd like to give each franchise an additional 20 to 25 million in revenue. That 1% isn't going to do that. It's got to be some way that they put this in in such a way to do this. Now remember, they're already making 2.7 billion off a of TV per year. It's maybe it's two point four, two point four billion a year between TNT and ESPN. So they're already doing that. And now they want to add into that. So there's gotta be a uh they've gotta figure there's more money in this than just the one percent. But that's what they're looking to do. That's their avenue that opens the door for them to get more revenue. There's never enough. Now, the NBA is also, I mean, also the way the NBA is covered is very interesting. Last night, LeBron James hit 30,000 points. Great milestone. He's the youngest ever to do it. I would hope so. He's the one guy in the top seven that entered at the age of eighteen.
1: <laughs> I mean, valid point.
0: <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, all right. He's a great, great player. I got it. But the other players all went in at twenty-two, twenty-one. <laughs>
1: you know, because they of the one-done rule, he was that was before yeah. that, right before that, I believe.
0: He went straight from high school in. He went from straight from high school in. He entered the league at eighteen years old. <laughs> So, a great, great, great player, which he is, right? Of course, he's going to be the youngest to do it. He's as great as all the others in the top seven. It's just he got in sooner. (laughs) Kareem didn't enter the league until he was 22. (laughs) Uh, I don't think they mentioned that part, do they? Probably not.
1: Probably not.
0: No. It's more exciting just to make it seem like.
1: This, it, the, it all circles around. We're talking about money and attention. No way they would no do that, would obviously. that,
0: obviously.
1: No. It's all for a full, it's a full circle.
0: All right. But that'll be the next thing. They, I think they're going to go back the NBA to allowing 18-year-olds back in. I think the one and done thing's going by the boards. I think it's the next thing they're doing. Even though that one year in college, do you know what the one year in college does for the NBA, Matt?
1: makes them go to college for a year and you have all those good kids and then boom you go put them right away
0: well no this is what it does and this i'm talking about from the nba's point of view for the nba it puts them in with coaches like Shashevsky and calipari and roy williams and people like that if they're one and done right true so they're so you know you're getting good coaching good training but it also means that these guys, as NBA scouts, they just have to go to college games. If, if the one and done goes by the boards, these guys are going to be stuck going to high school gyms left and right trying to find players or else go in the AAU circuit to look at them. And that's not really what they want to do. It's much easier to go to Duke than it is to go to Shikolomi High School where you're going to meet the suit.